Let's bow together for prayer again and ask the Lord's blessing on the minister of the word this afternoon. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, which is a light to our feet. Uh, we pray that you would continue to help us as we study your word, uh, as we do in the, on the Lord's Day morning, uh, moving our way through books of the Bible. Would you uh, continue to bless uh, this congregation as we give attention to your most holy word? And also bless uh, the preaching on the Lord's Day afternoon as we consider the scriptures in this systematic way, uh, to ask what it teaches us about these various uh, important topics. Help us, especially in this time, to um, better understand and, and to more greatly appreciate the sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism. Uh, Father, help us to understand what they signify. Uh, we do pray that we would be strengthened in our faith as we uh, do grow in our understanding of these things, that we would also be more faithful as a congregation to rightly administer uh, the ordinances that you have give, given to your church. Uh, do help us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. This afternoon we'll be looking at question 100 of the Baptist Catechism, which asks, how is baptism rightly administered? So we've been learning about baptism, we've learned about what it signifies, but here we are asking, how is baptism rightly administered? How is it, uh, how is it done correctly? And the answer is that baptism is rightly administered by immersion or dipping the whole body of the party in water into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit according to Christ's institution and the practice of the apostles and not by sprinkling or pouring of water or dipping some part of the body after the tradition of man. So that's a mouthful, isn't it? That's a long answer to this uh, very short question. And so I've read it to you instead of having you uh, repeat it. But it's very important. And I'd like to read Acts 8, 26 through 40 for the scripture reading this afternoon. Acts 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south and the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza, from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, 
And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So far the reading of God's most holy word. May he add his blessing to the preaching of it. The question before us today is how is baptism rightly administered? In other words, how is baptism properly done? You do know that in some traditions, baptisms are administered by the pouring or sprinkling of water. And the question is, is this right or is it proper? Our catechism is quite direct in its answer. At the end it says, not by sprinkling or pouring of water or dipping some part of the body after the tradition of man. That's a very direct answer uh, to this question. In our opinion, this practice of sprinkling, pouring, or dipping some part of the body into the baptismal water is not from Christ, but is the tradition of man. It's a tradition that men have have developed. Where did this tradition come from? I'll admit I have not studied that question in detail. But I wonder if if it is not developed along with the tradition of applying the sign of baptism to infants and to those on their deathbeds, uh, sprinkling, pouring, or dipping only a part of the body in situations like these would uh, certainly be more convenient, wouldn't it? Uh, to, to sprinkle some water on an infant instead of dunking them under, under the water. However the tradition developed, we're saying that it does not emerge from Scripture. It is the tradition of man, and it's to be rejected. Notice again that the question is, How is baptism rightly administered? In other words, what is the correct way to do it? Um, As is usually the case, it's helpful to compare our catechism with our confession to gain a fuller understanding of the doctrine being presented. You know that our catechism is kind of a a summary of our confession of faith. It's meant to be memorized. It's brief. But but it's the doctrines of our confession that are, are summarized here in our catechism. And as I understand it, our confession teaches that those who have faith in Christ are the only proper subjects of baptism. Never should those who do not profess faith be baptized, and this includes infants. Infant baptisms are to be considered invalid baptisms, therefore. um, Water is always to be used, and those baptized are always to be baptized in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All of these are are certainly non-negotiables. If a baptism is to be proper, it it must be given to one who has actually professed faith in Christ. Water is to be used, and they are to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what constitutes a, a valid baptism. Where these things are lacking, baptism should be considered invalid. But our confession says in 29.4 that immersion or dipping of the person in water is necessary to the due administration of this ordinance. In other words, The right way to do it is by immersion. But what about those who have been baptized as believers with water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but by sprinkling, pouring, or dipping only of a part of the body into the water? Are you you tracking with me here? What about those who are baptized, not as infants, but as believers with water, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but, but not by immersion? What should we think of their baptism? Was it valid? Uh, This is a question that comes up from time to time, even today, but it was very common uh, in the days uh, when our confession uh, was written. 
for those particular Baptists living in the 17th century, they had to wrestle with this question because some would come into their churches who were baptized in the Presbyterian and Paedo-Baptist churches. Uh, they may have been baptized as believers, but they were baptized not by immersion, but by sprinkling. What should we think of their baptism? Uh, should their baptisms be received as valid? And many of the early particular Baptists thought yes. Though their baptisms were improperly done, they were to be considered valid. And that is why 29.4 of our confession says that immersion or dipping is of the person in water is necessary to the due administration of this ordinance. In other words, this is the right way to do it. This is the, the, the truly proper way to do it. Would we consider an infant baptism valid? No, never. For that one was not baptized upon profession of faith. They were baptized based upon the profession of faith of their relative, you, you see. But they themselves did not profess faith, for, for they were infants. Um, so no, uh, these baptisms, the baptisms of infants, are not valid. We would urge a person who has since professed faith in Christ to be baptized, really for the first time. They would be making that decision for the first time. Uh, they would be then, for the first time, saying through the waters of baptism, Jesus is Lord. Would we consider Roman Catholic, Mormon, or Jehovah's Witness baptisms to be valid? No, never, for these are different religions with different concepts of sin and salvation. In the case of Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, their view of God and Christ is so fundamentally different that we cannot honor these baptisms as, as valid in any way. Would we consider the baptism of one who is sprinkled with water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit upon profession of faith in a Reformed or Presbyterian church to be valid? I say yes. Yes, we would. Uh, the substance was there, um, even though the baptism was applied in an improper way. So why do we say that baptism is rightly administered by immersion or dipping the whole body of the party in water into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why is this the right way to do it? The answer is rather simple. One, this is what Christ taught. And two, this is what the apostles did. In other words, this is what we find in Scripture. And so we believe this is the right way to apply Baptism. So read the New Testament and see. Baptisms were performed in bodies of water, rivers, ponds, and such. People went down into the water to be baptized and came up again. The passage that I read from Acts 8 regarding Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is a good example. Philip preached the gospel to him from Isaiah the prophet. The, the Ethiopian believed, and after believing, he said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him, and they came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, etc. Uh, this passage is instructive. They're in a desert place. Certainly the Ethiopian eunuch, they had water with them as they traveled. Uh, that water could have been poured or sprinkled. But it was upon coming to a body of water, a body of water large enough for them to go down into and come up again, that the eunuch says, what prevents me from being baptized after hearing the gospel? And believing it. So it's an instructive passage. Um, if there was ever a time for baptism by sprinkling or pouring, it would have been here, for they were in a desert region, as I have said. But this body of water made it possible for the eunuch to be baptized properly. And if you read the New Testament, you'll see that this was always the case. It is always baptism by immersion that is described when it is, in fact, described to us instead of just simply being stated.
Add to this the symbolism of baptism. We have learned from the scriptures that baptism signifies cleansing. It signifies our union with Christ in His death and resurrection. Through immersion, the whole body is washed. And through immersion, our death in Christ and our resurrection in Christ are signified as we go under the water and come up again. You can see the symbolism going under the water, into death, into, un, into the grave, and being brought up again, being raised from the dead, being raised up out of the grave with Christ through our union with Him. All of that is signified in baptism through immersion. Uh, but no such symbolism is communicated in baptism by sprinkling or pouring. Uh, the same symbolism isn't quite there. It's not captured. And this is why we say... Baptism is rightly administered by immersion or dipping the whole body of the party in water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit according to Christ's institution, this is what he taught, and the practice of the apostles and not by sprinkling or pouring of water or dipping some part of the body after the tradition of man. Uh, brothers and sisters, we need to strive to be faithful uh, to administer these ordinances according to the command. Holy Scripture. Let's bow together for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. We thank you for the way that they preach uh, through the symbolism. Uh, Father, I do pray that they would minister to us Lord's Day by Lord's Day with the Lord's Supper as we partake of the bread and the cup and as we are reminded of your faithfulness to us in Christ. And each and every opportunity we have to baptize, Lord, I pray that we would do so uh, very much mindful of what is signified there. May we be encouraged in our hearts by it, O oh God. Uh, Father, we do pray that you would bless us to be able to baptize many in the months and years and decades to come. Our own children, Lord, we long to see them make credible professions of faith and to apply the sacrament to them. Also, those outside this church who are walking in the world presently, we pray that your gospel would work powerfully in their hearts and minds, that you would bring them to repentance and to faith, and that we would have the privilege of baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that you have commanded us, knowing that you are with us. May we be faithful to the end of the age. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.